Well, there's a few things in my life that I'm very passionate about. And the first one is obviously my wife and my daughter. In fact, last night I got some extra daddy-daughter time because I got to sleep on an air mattress in my daughter's room as my wife was throwing up. And she's (laughs) watching the live stream right now. So, Maddie, I'm sorry I told everybody. Uh, So I'm running out a few hours of sleep, but it was a little bit rough. But I'm passionate about my family. My wife and my daughter, they make my day every single day. Every day I get to wake up to little nine-month-old baby Izzy giggles and little smiles, and it's just a lot of fun. But I'm also passionate about what I do here at New Hope. And that's not just a cliche because I'm standing in front of you and you guys, I feel like you need to hear that. But I love what I do here at New Hope. I feel like I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do and I'm in a place where I fit very well. But the one thing that I've been passionate about for a very long time, even though I don't play it anymore, is baseball. I played baseball for 17 years. And for eight of those years, the first eight years, I played first base. Now, if you look at me, And you know what first basemen are supposed to look like. You think, how did you play first base, right? Um, If you know me and if you see me, I'm short. First basemen are supposed to be tall so they can stretch and they can jump and do all these things. But I played first base for eight years and I got pretty good at it, pretty comfortable with it. But when I got to high school, varsity baseball, my coach decided decided to take me out of first base and move me to shortstop where he thought I'd be a better fit based on my size and based on my speed. Now, I moved over to shortstop and I practiced hard because I wanted to make sure I was varsity material ready for the first game. So I practiced hard day in and day out and I got decent. But when you're in a position that you're not totally comfortable with, that you've never really played before, one mistake can ruin everything. And so the first four or five games went really well. I think I made maybe one, maybe two errors. But then we got to game six, and everything spiraled downhill. Now, I took a ground ball in the first inning off the heel of my glove, bounced into center field. And immediately, I'm thinking, okay, it's the first inning. I've already made an error. What's the rest of the game going to be like? My confidence just drops. The next inning, I feel the, you know, cleanly. And I'm thinking, if you, know, if you play church softball with me, you know my arm. It's strong, but it's wild. So I feel the ball cleanly. I chuck it over first base, about 80 miles an hour across the diamond, right over the first baseman, right over the fence behind the first baseman, and into the trees. And I'm like, oh, this is rough. And that game, I made about three or four errors. The next game, made three or four more errors. And I'm just thinking, I've got to move out of shortstop. I've got to go back to first base. So I had a great conversation with my coach, and he moved me back to first base. And the point of this is that position matters. Right, when you're out of position in anywhere in life, whether it's my baseball career or in your family, it might not always go very well. I mean, we look at the Packers' defense, right? Their secondary is just brutal. They're always out of position. I love being able to bash the Packers when Bill's not here. But their secondary is always out of position, and, they, and teams just score touchdown after touchdown on them. Why? Because position matters. Back in 2008, I made the decision in my life to get baptized. Now, it's a little bit ironic because, you know, I grew up in a great Christian home. I had great Christian parents, Christian siblings, went to a Christian, you know, private school. I went to a great church that taught the Bible. I was pretty much on the track to be like the best Christian. I had everything going for me. The only problem was I knew more about God than I actually knew who God was. It's like in one of my favorite movies, Goodwill Hunting, when Robin Williams is explaining to Matt Damon, like, you can, you can know what's in the Sistine Chapel, you can know what Fenway Park looks like, 
But until you've smelt the grass at Fenway Park, until you know what it feels like and smells like in the Sistine Chapel, you never really know what it means to be there. And that was what it was like for me in my relationship with God. You know, I've been going to a great school, taught the Bible all the time. Had a great mom who prayed with me on the way to school every single day. Had great Christian friends. And I was supposed to know God, and I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really know God's heart. And God didn't know my heart. We didn't have a relationship. But I made the decision in 2008 to get baptized. Because I thought by getting baptized, that would be a band-aid for my spiritual life with Jesus. I thought that, you know, I'm out of position in my relationship with God. I'm out of position with Jesus. But if I get baptized, I'll be right on track. And the moral of the story is position matters. We have to know where we are. We have to have the clarity of where we are now if we want to get where we're going. And so as we look forward to 2019, what do we have? One more day left of 2018. And so a lot of us are starting our New Year's resolutions, our goals, what we want to achieve in the next year. And if we want to achieve those goals, if we want to better our lives, maybe grow closer to family members, lose weight, or grow closer to Jesus, whatever it might be, if we want to achieve those goals, we have to know where we are now. And there's one of my favorite stories in the Bible that sticks open up to Luke chapter about the phrase, position matters. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have your Bible, no worries. It'll be up on the screen for you as well. But we're going to read Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And this is a a key passage to understanding who we're talking about, Mary and Martha, but to understanding where they're at in their faith, who Jesus is, and where we can be at in our faith as well. So let's go ahead and read. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to him and asked, she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus' response is a little bit shocking, especially if you're very hospitable. Like me growing up, when my parents would leave the house, we would destroy the house, all of us siblings. We had, I had three brothers and sisters. We would destroy the house. We'd play kickball, we'd play volleyball in the kitchen, and we would just destroy the thing. And then my dad would call us and be like, hey, we're on our way home, be home in 10 minutes. And my siblings would just scramble, trying to get the house ready for mom and dad to get home. And this is what I would do. I would pick up, let's just pretend this is an object that needs to be picked up. I would pick it up, and I'd aimlessly walk around the house. Why? Because it made me look busy. (laughs) I didn't want to pick it up. I was too lazy. So I'd just aimlessly walk around the house. I'd maybe, you know, take out the vacuum and just wheel it from room to room without turning it on. And I would just do nothing. That was my personality. But Mary and Martha are so different from me. When company comes over, they're getting the place ready. They're the type of women who have the salad fork, the steak fork, and whatever other fork there might be that I don't use. They want to make sure everybody's comfortable. And so Martha, she asks Jesus, she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus responds by saying, Martha, Martha. 
You are worried and upset about so many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so the background of this story is, you know, Jesus and his disciples, as they're walking back to Bethlehem to meet with Mary and Martha after just doing some miracles, after healing some people, after preaching the gospel, they're coming to some of their best friend's house. Mary and Martha were some of the closest friends of Jesus. And Mary and Martha wanted to get the place ready. But as they get so distracted, or as Martha got so distracted by getting the house ready, Mary actually chose what was better. And that was sitting in the other room with Jesus. But what I love about this passage is something that we miss if we read this passage way too fast. Now, this book is written by a man named Luke. How do we know that? Because it's the book of Luke. That's easy. But this book is written by a man named Luke. And if we know anything about Luke, Luke is a doctor. Now, if you're a doctor, you're very detail-oriented, unlike me. (laughs) I'm not very detail-oriented. But as Luke speaks, he doesn't just write like, hey, Mary and Martha, they were cleaning up the house, and then Mary decided to go sit in the other room with Jesus. He doesn't say, Mary decided to go, you know, sneak into the room, in the corner of the room, and sit quietly as Jesus talked to the disciples. In fact, Luke, he gets very specific about what Mary had chosen to do. It wasn't that Mary had just gone to be with the disciples in Jesus. Verse 39 says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. Now, this is a key detail that brings this whole passage alive and together and brings out so much depth and meaning. Because back in Jewish culture, because Jesus and the disciples and Mary and Martha, they're all Jewish people living in Israel. Whenever a teacher or a rabbi or what we would call a pastor would teach or speak, people wouldn't sit in a worship center in chairs like how you're just facing me sitting down in chairs. If a teacher was teaching, they wouldn't sit in desks and learn. They wouldn't stand up and talk to each other. What the students would do is they would get down on the floor at the feet of the teacher and listen to what the teacher had to say. And what this is, is it's an act of humility. And it's an act of submission. And what Mary is saying, just by her actions alone, is that she's not just with Jesus listening to his words. She is, her whole life is submitted unto Jesus. Meaning whatever Jesus has to say, whatever teaching Jesus is going through in this moment, Mary is completely submitted to, and she's not going to walk out the door of that house knowing what Jesus said and never letting it impact her life. Because when we sit at the feet of Jesus and we hear the words of our one true king through the Bible or through his spoken word, when we know when Jesus is speaking and we're submitted to him, our lives and our hearts become transformed. Why? Because we're submitted to him. And so my question for you today, as we head into 2019, is what's your position with Jesus right now? Are you submitted to Jesus in your whole life? Because the reality for me when I was back in middle school, when I decided to get baptized, is that I thought I was submitted to Jesus. I thought that since I went to a Christian school 
since I had Christian parents, since I went to church, since I, you know, I had known you know, parts of the Bible from memorizing in school, I thought that put me in good standing with Jesus. I thought the checking off the boxes or the traditions of the religions that we have, like communion and coming to church and coming to Christmas Eve services and things like that, I thought that was good. I dabbled in drugs. I dabbled in drinking pretty much every single weekend of my life from 8th grade to 11th grade. And so baptism for me was more of a band-aid, trying to take that step of getting my life back on track. But I wasn't ready to make any changes in my life. I wasn't genuinely ready to submit my life to Jesus. I just wanted to go through the motions so that I could tell myself that I was submitted to Jesus. And so as we look forward to 2019, no matter how 2018 has gone, We need to ask ourselves, because we need clarity of where we are now, if we want to know where we're going. We have to genuinely ask ourselves if we are submitted to Jesus. If we are humble enough in our own personal and spiritual lives to listen to what Jesus says and have him mold and shape our heads and our hearts in order to change our lives. But what does this mean to sit at the feet of Jesus? And what does it mean to submit your life to him? To find the answer to that, we have to go back to the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And so what does it mean practically in our lives to submit to Jesus? It means in everything that we do, in every situation that we are in life, in every decision that we have to make in our lives, we must acknowledge God's presence in that. We must ask God, and this is one of my biggest shortcomings in my faith. I'm really good at reading the Bible. I'm really good at studying, and I'm really good at like waking up and praying and going off my day. But when there's big decisions to be made in life, for example, my wife and I just closed on our house on Thursday, our new house that we just got, which is amazing. But through that whole process of the last month and the few weeks before that, when we were looking at that, I was deciding to buy it, prayer was not the number one thing on my list. And I hate to say that because I'm speaking to you about submitting to Jesus, but I just want to be honest and humble in that. And that that's one of the areas of my life that I have to grow in coming 2019 that I have to submit to Jesus in because in our big decisions that we make in life it's so easy to just say I'm going to this college why because I want to it has my major it's so easy to say we're going to move into this house we're going to buy this one why because it's it's a great house it's great investment it's so easy to say this is how much I'm going to save this is what job I'm going to take and do all these different things. But if we're not acknowledging God, if we're not talking to God, and we're just running our own lives, then it'll show us areas in our life, Jesus. But what's the point? Why do we have to submit to Jesus? Why can't we live our own life? Why can't we just call the shots? Well, the reality is that you can. Plenty of people do. I did for a long time in my own life. But what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? It says, in all your ways submit to him, and he will what? He will make your paths straight. Sometimes we wonder why things don't work out in life. Sometimes we wonder why we can't get past the busyness and the craziness of our own families or our own personal lives. Sometimes we wonder why we can't get out of debt. 
Why we have so many broken relationships with family members or with friends. And in a lot of those cases, the reality is that we're not submitting to Jesus. We're not acknowledging him in everything. We've decided and we've made the choice to go down our own path. And so what I love about this story with Mary and Martha is I think it paints a picture of three types of people that we have today. Now, the first type of person is who I wish to be, but I don't know if I can ever be. The first type of person is like Mary. Those who know how to serve, those who do it diligently, but they also know how to sit at the feet of Jesus and submit to him. The second person is like Martha. Those who know how to serve diligently and do it with the best of intentions. But oftentimes we miss that one thing that Jesus was talking about. Sitting at his feet, worshiping him, submitting to him. We're so good at the doing. We're so good at putting our hands to the plow and serving people or serving Jesus. But if we forget to worship him or submit to him in our service to him, then we're forgetting what it's all about. And then the third person isn't even in the same house as Jesus. And I don't say that out of judgment because that was me for a long time. Growing up in a Christian home, growing up next to Christian people, going to a Christian school, I thought I was sitting right next to Jesus, looking at him face to face, heart to heart every single day. But the reality of my own life is that I wasn't even in the same zip code as Jesus was. But like I said, if we want to get where we want to go, we have to know where we are. And oftentimes there's that saying, the past is only the future with the lights on. Right? Our past and our present can define our future, but the good news of Jesus is that he offers us a second chance. The good news of Jesus is that every single morning we wake up to new mercy and new grace. Not just the day that we got saved, but every morning remembering that he saved us, he loves us, and every day is a new second chance. And so I want to ask you, is your life submitted to Jesus? Would you consider yourself more of a Mary, more of a Martha, or somebody who isn't even in the same house as Jesus? And there's no judgment. There's no, oh, this person's there, this person's there, and I'm here. The only thing we have to know is where we are and where we want to be with Jesus. If we want to make 2019 a better year, not just practically not just as better people, but as people who know God's heart and who want to grow closer to our King. So what does it mean to sit at the feet of Jesus? Well, there's a few things that I believe it means to submit to him. And the first one, to submit or to sit at the feet of Jesus, it implies a readiness to accept and obey what Jesus teaches. In other words, your worldview of the entire world, how you view the world, how you view people, how you handle breaking news, how you handle politics, how you handle social media, how you handle family, everything, your worldview is shaped not by the world, but it's shaped by the word of God. It's shaped by the words and the life and the teachings of Jesus himself. To sit at the feet of Jesus also implies a submission to Jesus. Rebellion is done with. We are, no, we are no longer running far away from Jesus, but we are running towards Jesus. No longer walking in sin, but walking towards our king. 
to sit at the feet of Jesus, it implies faith in who Jesus is, that he is the Savior and the Son of God. He is the author and redeemer. He is our healer, and we put our life and our trust in that, and in all of our ways, we acknowledge him, and in that, he makes our paths straight. To sit at the feet of Jesus, it implies discipleship. If we are submitted to Jesus, then we are submitted to the fact that we need to grow in our knowledge of him, that we need to grow and learn and follow him in our faith. And to sit at the feet of Jesus, it implies love, that we recognize that not only Jesus loves us, but now we are free to love him back. Because in the book of 1 John, it says that we can love him because he first loved us. He gives us the ability to love him, to follow him, to serve him, and to do the same for other people. And so what I want to ask you today is, you know, how, how has your 2018 been? You know, for a lot of us, we've had great years. Some ups and downs for sure, because life is never perfect. But for a lot of us, we've had great years. I've had a great year. I had a kid, bought a house, a lot of crazy life changes, but it's been a pretty good year. But for a lot of us, it's been rough. And I've had my rough years. I've had years where multiple family members have passed away, where family members have lost homes. And for a lot of us sitting here today, I think some of us are going through those types of years. And my challenge for you today is that as we make goals and resolutions for the coming year, that we don't just look at our lives and say, I want to lose 20 pounds. I mean, it's great. That's healthy for you to do. If you need to do that, do that. If you want to get out of debt, set a budget. That's fantastic. Do that. We need to do whatever we can do to practically better our lives. But we need to understand that we cannot find peace, we cannot find healing, and we cannot find salvation anywhere outside of submitting our lives to Jesus. And so my challenge to us today is that we do that is that we look at our entire lives and if we need to sit down today and say, Jesus, my life is yours, say and give our lives to him, then I encourage you to do that. But a lot of us in the room, we've done that before. And so what I I would encourage you to do if you have done that before is look at areas in your life like I've done with my life over the past week. Over the past week, as I've prepared for this message, I've looked at my own life and I've thought, you know what, when I make big decisions in life, I need to spend more time in prayer. I need to be consulting Jesus. I need to be acknowledging God that he is the one who puts us all together. So why am I not praising him? Why am I I not allowing him to speak into my life instead of me just signing papers and moving forward with things? That's one of the things I just want to be honest with. And so for all of us, I think that we need to look at different areas of our lives, maybe sin struggles in our lives. Maybe nobody knows about these things. Maybe everybody knows about these sin struggles, but we need to buckle down, submit to Jesus, acknowledge him, and allow him to change us. Because the reality of it is that when we do this, God blesses us. Psalm chapter one says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take of the Lord, the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So what does this look like practically? Because I know that I've done this a thousand times in my own sermons. And I've heard a thousand sermons like this where when we say things like to sit at the feet of Jesus, we tend to over-spiritualize it. Like we go home, and as I've been reading this story and as I hear the phrase to sit at the feet of Jesus, I get so pumped. 
because I'm sitting at the feet of my king. And that just encourages me. It lights a fire in me. I don't know about you. Maybe not. Maybe it puts you to sleep. I don't know. But for me, it really encourages me. And it gets me really excited to preach about it. But sometimes we over-spiritualize things like this. And we go home excited or encouraged. We read it like, this is amazing. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus. But we don't know what that looks like in our lives. We don't know what to do when we walk out the door. We feel lost. We can say, yes, I want to submit to Jesus. But what do I do now? And so here's what I would encourage you to do. And this is something that I'm not always the best at because my personality, I like to do things. I'm a mover. It's really hard for me to sit down for 30 minutes and and read a book or to sit quietly in prayer. But I would encourage you to sit down for 30 minutes a day, whether it's the start, the middle, or the end of your day. Just sit down for 30 minutes and read a chapter of the Bible and spend some time in prayer. And I know that that's a difficult thing to do sometimes because we have busy days. But my challenge to you today is that we submit our lives to him. And if this is one of the areas that we need to submit our lives to, reading the Bible, or if prayer is one of the areas that we need to submit to Jesus to, then we need to do the hard work and maybe even discipline ourselves to do it. But sitting at the feet of Jesus and reading his word and taking it in and allowing it to change us and transform us. It means peace. We can live in peace knowing that the son of God that we are submitted to has saved us by his death on the cross. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, it means holiness. If we submit to Jesus and to the Bible and his teachings, we learn of Jesus' sinless life that he lived which pushes us, which teaches us to run from sin and run towards holiness. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, it means strength. As we read the teachings of Jesus, as we read about his power, it gives us strength. And sitting at the feet of Jesus, it means wisdom. Jesus, as the Son of God, had infinite wisdom about so many situations in life. And even outside of Jesus, and we read the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms, and there's so much wisdom packed into the Bible that if we take the time every day to read the word of God, we're gonna grow in wisdom. Not just knowledge about a man named Jesus, not just knowledge about a God who's up in heaven somewhere, but we're gonna grow in our wisdom and in our relationship with him. And lastly, sitting at the feet of Jesus, it means passion. Like I said, when I read this verse and when I read sitting at the feet of Jesus, it, gives me, it gets me excited. And it gives me passion. Why? Because one of the things that makes me a little bit nerdy is I love the Bible. It's hard for me to read, but when I do it, I absolutely love it. Because the Bible isn't just a book about a man. It's not just information about getting out of debt. It's about our Savior. It's about how to walk in freedom. And so I would encourage you as 2019 gets started, Where in your life do you need to submit to Jesus? Is it in your reading? Is it in prayer? Is it in your finances, your relationships? Or does it mean that you just need to get started with Jesus? Whatever it is, our prayer team is going to be down below on both sides of the stage after the service. I would encourage you to come on up and spend some time in prayer. They don't judge. They pray for everyone. They've prayed for me. But it's so crucial if we want to get to where we're going and grow in our faith. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much.
for being here with us. And God, I pray that you continue to guide us. And Lord, help us to sit humbly at your feet, knowing, Lord, that you are God and we are not. That our life is about you and submitting to you. And so, Lord, help us just to be honest with ourselves and clarify where we are at and where we need to go. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.